Welcome to Scooby Shack Radio, Season 5, Episode 109, for Monday, April 17th, 2023. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello again, everyone, and thank you so very much for tuning in to this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Cinturpino. Well, this is a very special episode of Scooby Shack Radio, as I welcome back Dr. Alex Brilsky to the show. Alex and I had a chance to connect last week and discuss his new book, Beneath the Blue Planet, A Diver's Guide to the Ocean. As we approach Earth Day 2023, what better way to celebrate than talk with Alex about his passion for the ocean and why he feels it is so very important that we divers and snorkelers and others who love the ocean learn a little bit more about it, and how to protect our blue planet. The interview runs about 40 minutes, and with that in mind, I'm going to forgo my wet note segment this time around, and we'll pick back up next time in a couple of weeks. So with that in mind, let's get to my interview with Dr. Alex Brilsky. Well, welcome back, Alex, to Scuba Shack Radio. Uh, thanks so much for joining me here today. Always a pleasure, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Yeah. So, Alex, uh, last time we talked, you took us back in time a little bit um, to when Patty was developing the recreational dive planner. And I, I found that very fascinating and, and interesting. Um and then back then, we talked about uh, coming back on the show and looking ahead. Now, today, we're going to look ahead. Uh, we're coming up on Earth Day here really soon. And what better way to celebrate than to talk about your new book, Beneath the Blue Planet? But spoiler alert, uh, I guess a long time ago, we could have called Earth the Red Planet. But folks are just going to have to get the book uh, to find out why, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought, I thought that was really interesting. Um, so let's start off with, uh, you know, why you decided to write this book. Why now? Uh, what was your inspiration be, uh, behind uh, creating Beneath the Blue Planet? Sure. Yeah, actually, there are three reasons. Uh, one goes back to two, uh, 2012 when I published uh, The Complete Diver. And uh, uh the complete diver, to be real, to be perfectly honest, isn't really complete. <laughs> As the subtitle indicates, it, it does uh, talk about the history, science, and practice of scuba diving, but the one thing it does not address is the environment. And I, I realized that at the time, but by the time it got to almost 400 pages, there wasn't really much room left to uh, address that. So I always wanted to kind of fill in that gap, so to speak. Uh, and then, of course, time marches on, and I got into other things, et cetera. Uh, and then uh, when I retired from uh, the College of the Florida Keys in 2019, uh, I uh, 
formed my, my company currently, Ocean Education International. And one of our, our first initiatives was to create a, a multi-day course on sustainable dive tourism that I call EcoPro. And in fact, I'm now going into the uh, uh, what will be the fifth year of the EcoPro program uh, at Sea uh, Experience in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I've always I wanted a textbook for that course. And the second rationale for the book was a textbook for the, my sustainable dive uh, program, EcoPro. Uh, and about uh, three quarters of it uh, I utilized in that capacity. But the third is probably the most important reason. And I've always I felt for a long time that one of the one of the problems we've had in the industry is that instructors, while we do a great job in teaching people to dive and keeping them safe and, and uh, supervised and entertained, we don't really do a good job connecting them to the environment. And that's not their fault. It's there's not really much attention to that in the in the professional development process. Uh, and so I think there's been a, a void as far as the knowledge base is concerned about the environment. And uh, uh, and I, I also, <laughs> I really abhor people who complain and don't offer solutions. And so I've been, frankly, complaining about this for some time. Uh, and I thought I would probably offer a solution. And, and what I mean by that is the the uh, uh, beneath the blue planet is, in my view, uh, the knowledge base that all dive professionals should have. It's the raw material, I think, that that a professional can work with. Now, of course, it's going to be useful to any diver, but I, I really kept in mind what is what what's essential for a professional to have in their repertoire, and to make that connection, to have the the ability to make the connection in the understanding of the process. And so that was those those are the three reasons. As far as the opportunity, uh, I have to blame COVID for that, because the book was very much a COVID project. I knew I was going to be sequestered here for for several months and uh, decided, okay, uh, put up or shut up. I've got to write this book and uh, went ahead. And uh, that was kind of the next phase. Now, that's also kind of interesting because, you know, people ask me, well, how long did it take you to write this? And I can answer that two ways. Uh, it took me five months to write the initial, the preliminary draft, but realistically, the content from that for the book goes back to the 20 odd years I've spent in a undergraduate classroom and teaching divers informally. And so the, the content has been, you know, building over the course of, of decades. But, uh, but, you know, it, I think I began in April and uh, by August I had uh, a preliminary draft. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty yeah. good because there's a <laughs> lot of stuff in here. So uh, you know, to get it done in that short amount of time is phenomenal. It wouldn't have happened without COVID because literally I had nothing else to do, <laughs> and I would I would work pretty much from uh, the time I finished breakfast until uh, dinner, uh, you know, at the book, and it was uh, it's certainly a labor of love because it, it enabled me to to kind of take the experience of my past, you know, twenty years as a marine scientist and educator and really focus it toward, you know, uh, diving. But then the second phase was because it is so content rich, I really needed the 
the eyes of other experts. And uh, there were 34 experts I, I sent the, the draft to, ranging from dive industry people to uh, scientists in their various fields and were very cooperative. However, that coordinating the, the feedback from so many people did did take quite a while. So the book really wasn't ready to, you know, for, for prime time, so to speak, uh, for probably a year. Uh, and then that kind of brought me to the, the next uh, uh, phase or the next obstacle. And that was, okay, how does it become a book? Uh, and I was assuming, frankly, I'd have to self-publish. And I, I have some friends that have done that. And I, I knew how difficult it would be in, in marketing a self-published book and, and really kind of dreaded that. And fortuitously, about the same time, I reconnected with an old colleague, uh, Ian Popel. And I'd met Ian, oh, 15 or so years ago when he was involved in a, in a project called Beautiful Oceans, uh, which was a marine science uh, program designed for divers. And we kind of lost track. He got into, he went into a, a hospital administration job. And, but I, I uh, reconnected with him because he comes back on the scene, uh, I guess, so maybe six or eight years ago, uh, with a company called Reef Smart Guides. Mm -hmm. And some of your, your listeners may recognize yep. the Reef Smart Guide uh, books you know, for what they are. They're, they're basically the, the lonely planet approach to various dive destinations. Always been very impressed with the quality of those books. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, we got into a discussion of, you know, what I was trying to do. And, and he, uh, he kind of gave me some direction on publishers and whatnot. And, wasn't terribly successful. And, and, and we finally had a conversation, you know, and, and, and we came to the realization that we, we wanted kind of the same thing because I needed a publisher that I respected and could do the kind of job I wanted. And Ian had, had always wanted to kind of move Reef Smart Guides in a, in a direction of education anyway. Uh, Ian, by the way, and his, his partner, uh, uh, Pete McDougall, are both graduate level marine scientists. So they get it in terms of what the ocean's all about. And so uh, we decided that this would be a, a good uh, project uh, to launch what we call Reef Smart Education, wow. which is kind of a different entity within the Reef Smart family. Uh, I came aboard as, as director of education and, and the book essentially became the first product in this, uh, in this whole endeavor. Uh, and equally important, uh, the the other personality involved is uh, Otto Wagner. I, I get uh, lots and lots of feedback on just the the wonderful quality of the illustrations, the design, etc. And and I, I have to really credit Otto and and uh, and, and Ian and, and Peter because the book is very content rich as you as you alluded to. Yeah. So you have to be careful in just overwhelming people with too much information. And if you if you take a look at the format of the book, yep. it's really well designed with a lot of information broken out into these sidebars we call did you knows, uh, eco tips, and scientific insights. So it, it kind of, you know, takes the it takes the load off, so to speak, in, in reading so much and that some things are broken out in, yep. into very uh, 
you know, discrete tidbits and in, in the formatting and in the wonderful, uh, wonderful illustrations that auto produced really kind of make it uh, pretty special. You know, I think uh, someone once remarked, but when you open the book, it, it makes you want to read it. And that, that's a high compliment. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I like that format because you can jump around. And mm -hmm. you can go to certain did you knows or eco tips or scientific insight, and you don't have to read the whole book like cover to cover. You can yeah. move or maneuver around the book a little bit. So very nice format. And as you said, the illustrations, the photos, everything is in there. Um, I looked at the the who's who uh, uh, in this in your peer reviews, and and you certainly got the top level people across the industry to take a look at the book. So, um, it, you know, it's it, it's solid. But um, let's go back to you know now the book is broken down into basically four sections, mm -hmm. right? You you start with how the ocean works, and then we move to coral reef sharks, and end up with what you're saying is really one of the important things is doing the right thing. So how did you decide on those four specific sections? Yeah, exactly. That's a good, that's a good point. Uh, well, if, if we go back to the rationale for the book being a uh, essentially uh, the knowledge base for dive professionals, I thought uh, a dive professional should first and foremost know a little bit about how the ocean functions as, as part of the earth system. Uh, and what that means is you need to understand, uh, a, first of all, the origins of the earth and where the ocean came from uh, and how the, the, the ocean basins are constantly changing, how they, are, uh, how they affect ocean chemistry and various phenomena that just kind of, you know, give you an idea of how did we get where we are. In fact, I start with cosmology. How did, how did the earth work? Uh, <laughs> And so with that is kind of literally the, the, you know, the beginning of the ocean. Uh, uh, the next step is really to understand the chemistry of the ocean and, and not just the chemistry of the ocean, but the chemistry of, of water, because the characteristics of water are uh, critically important to understanding life as we know it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the chemical constituents of the ocean are critical to, you know, its, its ability to sustain life. Uh, and there's some pretty interesting nuances to how that chemistry maintains its stability. Uh, and then lastly, there are what are called biogeochemical cycles, uh, uh, carbon, nitrogen, and phosphorus in particular, the, the, the really critical components for, for life, and how they cycle through uh, you know, not in great detail. I'm not, you certainly don't need a background in chemistry to understand the book, but it is important to understand how these chemicals are continually cycled from from a from a biological to a, a non-living form, and how all of this, when it's when it's you know kept in in place, uh, really contributes to you know the health of the ocean. And then, thirdly, the the chapter on uh, what I call motion of the ocean is really physical oceanography, explaining the nuances of currents how the, the major surface currents of the ocean form, uh, the phenomenon of upwelling and why that, why that takes place, why currents such as the Gulf Stream exist. Uh, you know, and I, and I also, <laughs> I, was a, I was not actually a, a science undergraduate. I, I was a history major and uh, I, I always get around to history somehow and whatever I'm doing in a scientific context. So I, 
I talked a little bit about the historical consequence mm -hmm. of the Gulf Stream because it, it's really fundamentally important in the history of, uh, of, of uh, basically the United States and Europe, kind of as a sidebar. Uh, but the important thing is to understand just what, how ocean currents affect things, and in particular, how the entire ocean is linked in a system that we call the, the you know, the what's known as the the Atlantic Meteorological uh, Overturning Circulation or the Great Ocean Conveyor Belt. Uh, that's critical to life on Earth and the fact that it's becoming destabilized could have enormous consequences. And then lastly, in that section, bringing it all together in a chapter I call The Living Sea, really talks about biological oceanography. What are, what is life? You know, what are the constituents of life? Uh, how does that, how is it adapted uh, literally from the sea? And then we, we get into a lot about uh, ecosystems and uh, food webs and just understanding the, the big picture of how life is a continually cycling process and fundamentally uh, based upon what's happening in the ocean. We yeah, really well, that, are first, that first section can be a whole semester's worth of work in and of itself. So it was it very is. thorough and, and complete and gives you the baseline to move forward in, in the book. Mm -hmm. um, so, so then we move on to one of my favorite uh, subjects, the coral reefs. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the criteria there was pretty simple, and that was, you know, what is the most important ecosystem to scuba divers? And yes, there are divers who primarily are interested in diving wrecks and kelp forest and whatever, but, but fundamentally, most scuba divers, their, their desire is to experience a coral reef. So I think that's really, that's, that's the, the core interest of most scuba divers and it's certainly the basis of our industry because the desire to travel the coral reefs is really yep. you know drives a lot of what the dive industry is all about and so i thought uh, we should treat that pretty thoroughly and, and fortunately for the past well for the the decade or so i was at the college of florida keys that was the, the focus of my uh, my teaching and so what i thought i would do is first provide a chapter on how coral reefs are supposed to work how did Mother Nature intend these ecosystems to function? And, and get really into the, the nuances and the ecology. We, often, I think we, we mistaken as dye professionals that ecology is really nothing more than teaching people how to identify critters, and it's not. I, I use the analogy that ecology is the play, the critters are the actors. And what we really need to do is understand the play because the actors are continually changing. Uh, and so we get into a pretty meticulous detail, frankly, uh, you know, for a book of this nature on the nuances of how coral reefs are supposed to function. And I was fortunate enough to have some really good uh, uh, technical experts uh, confirm a lot of the things I was writing about. And we get into uh, some areas that, uh, frankly, uh, really aren't addressed outside, uh, you know, the college classroom, to be honest, but hopefully in a way that's understandable. Uh, and then, of course, there's another chapter just on fishes, because that's really, that's what brings people in. People tend to dive on coral reefs, and the first thing they see and recognize are all the beautiful fishes and their inscrutable behavior. So I, I talk about that in, in great depth 
most importantly, making uh, trying to make folks understand the the idea that you know form follows function. That the way if, what a fish looks like is indicative to the way it makes a living. And when and and fishes you know operate in a way similar to uh, uh, industries do on cities or, or or gills as we call them. We have herbivores and we have piscivores and we have benthivores and we have all of these critters that aren't related but fulfill similar functions. And the way that they fit into the ecology of the reef explains what they look like, what their behavior is. Uh, and so we, we talk a lot about that, a little bit about the uh, reproductive uh, nuances of fishes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also address a little bit in there uh, some implications about uh, uh, fisheries management. And then lastly, unfortunately, we, we have to talk about, you know, the problem with reefs and that yep. uh, that seventh chapter, uh, the trouble with reefs gets into that. And I try to show that there are, you know, the the, ocean, the coral reefs are being uh, affected by the ocean, by the land and by the atmosphere. And this triple assault from what we're putting into the ocean, from what we're taking out of the ocean and how the atmosphere and what we've done to it through carbon dioxide is really you know could well be the the, the straw that breaks the camel's back and so i, I talk a lot in there uh, about the problems uh, and with the the current concern with the stony coral tissue loss disease i i, I have a, a pretty thorough segment on disease and some of the uh the, the current theories on why what this, uh, what the stony coral tissue disease is is uh, thought to be all about, and uh, and so on, I try to leave it on an upbeat in that you know it's not hopeless, but we certainly have a uh, we need to do something quickly, or you know our grandkids will be the last folks on this planet to see coral reefs as we know them. Well, there's a lot of organizations out there trying to address these problems and, and, you know, they're all doing some great work out there. But like you say, we, we, we don't have a lot of time left uh, mm -hmm. to, to reverse the course on it. But um, then the book moves into another one of my favorite uh, subjects, uh, that about sharks and, you know, the importance of them, uh, you know, at the top of the, uh, of the apex predators. Um, you know, I guess there's, there's sharks, whales, things like that. It, it, why did you focus on sharks? Well, if if coral reefs are the ecosystem, you know, of prime concern to divers, if you have to choose a critter, uh, sharks, I think, uh, take that role because, you know, every diver, I think, is interested in sharks. I think most most people, if they have any interest in the ocean, are interested in sharks. So they're really uh, the charismatic feature. Uh, and because they're so important in the ecosystem, they also deserve uh, special attention, I believe. And so the way I approached that was there are two chapters. One is called What Makes a Shark a Shark? And it simply goes into pretty considerable detail on, on the, the, the evolution of where sharks came from and importantly, the, the physiology and the anatomy uh, of what makes a shark. And, and sharks are such amazing critters and so different from many other creatures that, you know, just delving into the, the nuances of their 
their physiology and, and their anatomy is just absolutely fascinating. And I, I really made a, a an attempt to be pretty thorough here and to include some pretty uh, cutting edge insights into into sharks. We know a lot more about them. I, I know even when I was in grad from when I was in graduate school, uh, and I try to really make this that chapter uh, pretty much cutting edge. But I, I didn't want to leave it with just talking about sharks, and that that gave a rationale to the second. Uh, chapter in, in this uh, section I, I call the human shark equation. And I wanted to talk about sharks in the context of people, uh, both in the way that they're, they're perceived uh, in both West, Western and Eastern cultures, because mm -hmm. it's very different. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, talk about the 800 you know, pound gorilla in the room, the shark bites, you know, the fact that sharks... Uh, <laughs> bite folks once in a while and sometimes fatally yeah. put that in perspective as it should be uh talk about ways to avoid that <laughs> uh but also talk about from from the standpoint of divers the interest and the the pro the procedures of of diving with sharks so we talk a lot about shark diving i went into a, a, a pretty thorough literature review on uh on all issues related to divers and sharks, shark diving, shark feeding, all, all sorts of uh, areas that are, are actually quite controversial. And uh, and you you might notice that in the book, I, I don't really, I, I tend to be very balanced mm -hmm. in terms of any any conclusions because I don't think there's a lot we have. We or I don't think we have enough information scientifically to to draw some conclusions about you know many aspects of uh, certainly shark tourism. Uh, which is a a big component of that uh, that last chapter, yeah. and uh, and so that really that concludes what I what I call the content portion of the book, yeah. and I and I thought it would be remiss to just stop there, because what's really important is not just the fact that the divers and ocean lovers become better educated. I want them to be able to do something. I want them to be able to turn that knowledge into action. And that really brings us to the, the final uh, section of the book, doing the right thing. Yeah, do, doing the right thing. Um, it, it It's amazing. We all think um, we know what the right thing is to do, but sometimes we need to be reminded of it. And uh, that section of it, what what are the big takeaways from that section of the book that you want people to 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 know? Well, the, the first uh, cha chapter 10, which is the first chapter of that section, uh, is called responsible wildlife interaction, and to my knowledge, that's never been been reviewed in the context of diving, or for that matter, in the marine environment very well. There's a lot of uh, of research, there's a lot of uh, insights into terrestrial aspects of how to deal with with wildlife interaction, but I wanted to do something that had a marine perspective and specific to divers to talk about, you know, what constitutes a responsible interaction what criteria should be fulfilled to say that this was a responsible versus a, an irresponsible and and base that upon research uh as closely as possible in the in, in the marine sector uh uh examples I, I talk about uh 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 cetaceans and what's been done in whales and, and dolphins uh, manatees of course uh and then provide a, a, a three criteria for what I what I consider to be a responsible interaction. 
and talk about uh, a concept I call uh, energy theft and how that fits into uh, wildlife uh, interactions. And this is also the perfect place to talk about things such as fish feeding, which I separate from feeding sharks okay. or provisioning is what the term scientists use and kind of give an overview on, on where things are in terms of the, the scientific community uh, so that you can make an informed decision. Some people, you know, absolutely love opportunities to participate on, on dives where, where sharks are fed and others think it's important. And, and I respect both uh, perspectives and there's literature on both sides to support both perspectives. And in the end, I, I, I make, I make the point that it's, it's a, uh, it's a judgment call on the part of the the diver to to do what they they feel is appropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, the the next chapter is just called uh, responsible choices, and uh, I I divide this into two sections. I think there are two areas where divers can be particularly uh, impactful in what they choose to to purchase, basically as consumers. One is what our choices are with respect to seafood. And in order to have that understanding of what a responsible seafood choice is, I think we need to know a little bit about fisheries management and what that's all about. And so I talk a bit about fisheries management. Uh, I get into responsible spearfishing, for example, which I, I think I may get some disagreement. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure regard. you will. Because yeah, sure uh, I, I definitely poo-poo the idea of spearfishing on scuba. Uh, yeah. And and provide some 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 uh, I think uh, evidence based backing for that. Uh, and then we also talk about tourism because to me the dive industry is really a subsector of the adventure travel industry, and tourism is so important to us. We 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 wouldn't exist as an industry without that, and it has to be done in an appropriate way in in a way that's responsible. And so I set I set up uh, uh, you know, a, a discussion of what is sustainable tourism? What are we looking for? What are the guidelines? How can someone uh, evaluate a, uh, an operator to see if they are on the path? I mean, no one in the industry, to my knowledge, is 100% there, but dive operators, some are quite far ahead. Others are much, very much lagging behind. And so there's an appendix in the back of the book uh, where a diver can evaluate an operator. Uh, but basically to make people understand that, you know, our money as divers uh, will can contribute in either a positive or negative way, depending upon the kind of choices we make. And that kind of, you know, concludes that section. And appropriately, the, the final chapter of the book is called Responsible Diving. And it's just, you know, I've gleaned over the years from organizations such as uh, uh, the Greenfins Program, Mm -hmm. uh, and other NGOs in, in the uh, sustainable tourism sector, what, what, is the, what are the best practices for responsible scuba diving? And I go through you know, what those are all about. I review some of the, uh, the peer-reviewed literature on diver impact and some of the recommendations that have been made uh, in, in that regard. And, and so we conclude with that. And I would like to make the point that in, in actually folks have, have uh, reiterated this. This is the only chapter of the book that is really diving specific. Uh, the rest of the book is, is 
I think just as applicable to anyone who has an interest in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Now I do use diving examples and case studies and whatnot. So it's focused to divers, but uh, the book really is, my brother really brought this to bear. Uh, you know, he, he's a diver. I, I trained him and, and my nephews, but, you know, he said, you know, this is, this is a good book. You know, it's not just a matter. It's just not about diving. And indeed, I, I hope people uh, uh, begin to recognize it. In fact, some of the I've only gotten a few reviews on Amazon so far, and, and all of those seem to bring that point to bear that this uh, this book is much more than about diving. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, you know, anybody, as you said, with an interest in the ocean or uh, the environment will get a lot of a lot out of this book. Uh, it, it's very, very thorough and complete. Um, I guess, you know, so with with so much information in here, uh, Alex, what was the hardest part of this book for you to write? Actually, the hardest part of the book was not what to write, but what not to write. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know for example, in that first chapter, you know, it takes me two semesters, 30 weeks <laughs> to yeah. teach oceanography. Yeah. Uh, so to condense that into, you know, four simple chapters. Uh, and so that idea of figuring out, you know, what was appropriate and, and what, what was really beyond, because if you're as intensely interested in the subject as I am, of course, you, you want everything in there. And, uh, that would have book that would have been a book about a thousand pages and, you know, no one would have read it. Uh, so that was really, you know, you know, the toughest part was kind of calling yeah. it to the audience and, certainly always making it understand why I, I go back to a, what I call writing in a way that's comprehensive, but comprehensible. And mm -hmm. uh, that I, I try to be very thorough in what I write, but I also am always aware of, you know, is someone going to understand this? Is, is this the, is this the easiest way? You know, you can, uh, I think it was Einstein once said if, that if, if you can't explain something to a six-year-old, then you don't understand it. And, there you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So, so that uh, was the toughest part. Yeah, toughest part, keeping it, keeping it uh, to what, uh, what not to write. So, um, let's talk about what your aspirations are for this book. What do you hope that individuals who who get your book uh, and look through it? What what's the what do you hope they take away from this? Well, if it's a dive professional, I hope they understand that there's a whole lot they need to know about about the ocean, and you know, not to memorize what's in there, but to understand that there there is, they should be continually in a learning process, in order to really connect their customer, their students to the environment, which is the whole reason for diving. They need to have this knowledge base. Now, I do I don't get into a lot of the methodologies and interpretation and that sort of thing I, I do in my sustainable tourism course mm -hmm. but at least the, the the content base is there uh if they're if a person's a diver i just hope that they find a section of the book that's of interest to them uh and then that inspires them to see well maybe there's something more to this so if they if they read something in the uh, section on 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 sharks then that inspires them to want to learn more about, uh, you know, biological oceanography and, and how uh, uh, food webs work uh, or why the chemistry of the ocean is so important. So 
one of the reasons I like the book's design is that you can, you know, cherry pick uh, and realize that, hey, this is kind of interesting. I, I'd like to have more background, you know, and go through the book at, what, at whatever level or sequence that you want. And so I hope it's a book that will will live a long time with divers and they'll come back to it, uh, you know, a lot. It is for sale as a uh, as a Kindle, but I, I just can't imagine getting much out of the book in the Kindle version because you can't flip back and forth yeah. and really do what you can with a physical book. I, I'm a real, I'm a physical book advocate. I, yeah, it's I, kind I of, have electronic books, but it's I kind of interesting. I, I did get the reef, uh, reef smart guide for Bonaire and I did it electronically. And I'm like, I wish I had gotten the book because I, it was just, it becomes a little bit more challenging in a book like this, where you're not, just linearly reading you're going back and forth and looking at different information so the hard copy book of this is certainly uh certainly something that's worth having on your bookshelf um mm -hmm. but um so beneath the blue planet a diver's guide to the ocean uh that's out there now and you know you've done a, a fantastic job with that but uh i know you're never standing still so what's next for uh dr brilski well, you know, I hope the book will have impact. And, you know, I love the term, you know, turning passion into purpose. And I, I want people to become advocates for the ocean, not just more informed, but to go out there and, and to do something to help uh, increase the knowledge of the public and, and, you know, make appropriate decisions when they go into the voting booth, et cetera. Uh, from, a, from a more practical standpoint, from my own uh, personal perspective, uh, I'm going to continue offering EcoPro. Uh, we're, mm -hmm. we're changing it up a bit in that now a lot of the burden of lectures uh, are going to be taken over by the book. I can kind of expand some of the things in the course nice. and do a more uh, more interactive. I have more time for examples and case studies and that sort of thing. Uh, also, with regard to ReefSmart, I mentioned it in the early part. Uh, this book is the uh, not only is the first product in the Reef Smart Education Initiative, but it's uh, been the occasion to create a whole new entity within Reef Smart called uh, uh, the uh, res uh, Resort Services. And uh -huh. in Resort Services, we're going to uh, provide uh, services such as uh, uh, 3D modeling and underwater mapping uh, customized to resorts. And also professional development and and customer education. Uh, so we'll be uh, on site at, at various locations, uh, training staff as well as providing programs for the uh, the guest time we're there. We have some interesting plans in that regard as well. And then lastly, uh, one of my frustrations with my EcoPro course is that you know I'm not reaching as many people as I'd like. You know, this is a this is a, an initiative that every dive professional should be exposed to these issues of sustainable dive tourism. And what it lends itself to is more uh, online learning. And I, I've recently gotten into a, a, a relationship with uh, uh, an entity called Ocean First Education and uh, what I'll be doing with them, partnering with them to uh, create a, a program called Adventure Leader. And Adventure Leader is basically some of the content from uh, my sustainable dive, uh, sustainable dive tourism course uh, that's appropriate for online learning. 
And so there'll be an, an opportunity to, to get some of this insight into sustainable diet tourism uh, online. Uh, and then we'll, we're developing a follow-up a live instruction component uh, where uh, divers can come to Key Largo uh, and uh, spend uh, several days putting what they've learned into action. And so I'm really excited about uh, that relationship with uh, Ocean First and, and Graham Caston mm -hmm. and his well, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, certainly, Key Largo is always uh, on one of my uh, dive destinations. I'd love to get down there. Just don't get down there uh, enough. Um, but uh, also, I know you're still uh, doing the ocean updates with Dive Ventures. I think exactly. uh, you've got three of those done. Uh, I wasn't able to attend the uh, the last one, um, and I've got a conflict on this next one that's coming up uh, in a few days. Um you know, how are they how are they being received quite well quite well uh and they're all recorded by the way you can log on to the uh the uh, oceans update uh, website and, and uh, watch the the webinar uh but they're being well received uh we had plans to do we have plans to do six it looks like we're going to continue with that uh we're going to be looking this next time at what i in fact i'm, I'm taking some of the some of the information from the uh uh, the book and doing a, a webinar uh, talking about the human, the shark human equation issue. We'll be looking at, uh, uh, I think we're going to be looking at fluoro, di fluoro diving or UV light diving uh, and uh, another one on how to be a, a better ocean advocate. And so as we get feedback from the, the audiences uh, with, I think they have 18 facilities around the country now, as we get feedback from their different locations and, and customer base, we'll, uh, you know, continue to evolve that program. It's it's very exciting. It's yeah. a it's a great group of folks to work with. It, it they are very informative, and I can see a lot of the stuff from your book coming out oh, in those uh, in, in those lectures. Um, so uh, yeah, I was looking this morning. You can go out on YouTube and you can uh, view the 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 past uh, seminars there. So so this was great, Alex. Thanks so much for coming on today, uh, talking about Beneath the Blue Planet, uh, appropriate as we head into Earth Day 2023. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that we'll have a chance to connect when we're down at DEMA um, in November, down in uh, uh, New, Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, Absolutely. so uh, I, I hear it's going to be a big, uh, big deal down there. So we'll hook up when we're down there. And in the meantime... Um, you know, we'll stay in touch. And uh, I want to again, thank you uh, so much for coming on Scuba Shack Radio and telling us about Beneath the Blue Planet. Oh, it's a pleasure, sir. The only request I would make is if you do uh, purchase a book, uh, if you would post a review on Amazon, I, I would really be helpful. I, they tell me that in terms of the search engine analytics, that's uh, quite uh, quite useful. So please, uh, please post a review. We will certainly do that. I know all about that self-publishing uh, world. <laughs> I tried that last year and uh, <laughs> it's tough. And uh, Amazon is the big player. So yes, yeah, we'll certainly, certainly uh, you know, give you some great feedback on it on an absolutely fantastic book. Thanks again, Alex. Thanks. I hope uh, springtime comes soon. Take yeah, care. <laughs> we'll be here. I want to again thanks Alex for spending some time with me. 
and I hope you've gotten some insights into his new book, Beneath the Blue Planet. Now, the book is available on Amazon or from Reef Smart Guides or from a number of different places. Uh, you should just go pick this up. You'll get so much out of it. What better way to celebrate Earth Day? So that wraps up episode 109 of Scuba Shack Radio. Thanks again for your support, and I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with more. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep diving. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast supporting our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.